Welcome to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. I am your host, Arthur Yan, co-founder and CEO of Nest Protection Plan. We partner with restorers, contractors, real estate professionals, and other entrepreneurs to increase their revenue, grow their business valuation, and help them build a platform of services for homeowners across the country. We think every American family and property owner deserves peace of mind for their health, indoor living, and longevity, all for less than a dollar a day. Also, I love forming relationships. Add me on Facebook or LinkedIn today and let's connect. Oh, and stick around to the end of this episode. We'll reveal how you or someone you know can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Here we go. What is going on, everybody? How's everybody doing this week? Uh, welcome to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. I'm your host, Arthur Yon, and this is episode number 53. We are just really, really excited because we have a wonderful guest. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about how to get more leads into your business. And I'm going to go ahead and just drop this phrase right now. One of the things we're going to be talking about is how to get non-Googleable. And that's a phrase that my guest uh, mentioned himself, non-Googleable leads into your business and a whole lot more. And I'm going to go ahead and jump in and introduce him right now. He is the president of Lysic Ghostwriting. He is a business persuasion expert. His name is Joshua Lysic. Joshua, J- Joshua, how are you today, man? I'm pretty dandy, Arthur. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to share some thoughts and ideas and techniques with your audience. Well, and we're excited to hear him. I, this is going to be a lot of fascinating stuff. But I want to start talking uh, about your background, which is what we typically do. Um, tell us what inspired you to become a writer, to become a, a persuasion expert, and how did you, what's your background? Yes. So my aspiration as a youngster was to be a novelist. And a lot of people who want to write fiction or make money selling their fiction, that be is their lifelong hobby or their thing that they kind of put on the shelf that, oh, one day maybe I'll do it when I have time. But I was uh, I was a bit of an upstart. So when I was 20 years old, I got a two book two book publishing deal from a small independent uh, press. And so I'm signing copies and taking selfies with my fans and get, doing on author panels and doing book signings and the whole thing. And then something interesting happens. I think my career is going to go off in that direction and I will write more more novels. But two of my readers were both business people, both entrepreneurs. They read my novel, which is Action Adventure. You would not necessarily think that entrepreneurs would want to read action adventure, especially if they're over age 65. And yet, the interesting thing that happened was both of them reached back out to me and said, Joshua, read your book, loved it. I see that you're basically 21 years old, 22 years old. That means you've written two books. I've wanted to write one book longer than you've been alive and haven't found a way to do it yet. Can you can you just help me with mine? And I said, okay, sure. At the time, I didn't know what ghostwriting was. That's where someone shares their ideas, stories, experiences with you, and you package it all into a book, and it's their name on it because the author, it's their stories, their ideas, their experiences. It only makes sense that it's their name, much the same way that if you hire, let's say, an IP attorney to draw up patent paperwork. It's not the attorney's patent, it's yours, but they're the expert on how to structure it, what to include, how to word it, what not to include, what to say, so that it's more likely that the U.S. Patent and Trade Office is going to accept and give you your, uh, go from patent pending to 
patent approval. It's very similar in the business of publishing is that it makes sense to work with experts who know how to do this. That's where my career began. But it took a little interesting turn when I began working with and ghostwriting for internet marketers, people who had expertise in digital marketing and consumer psychology and the science of persuasion and what works to increase conversion rates. What are the subconscious decision-making processes that all humans go through when considering hiring a vendor, working with one services company or another? What, what all goes into that? And those relationships and those books that I wrote gave me quite the knowledge base and the talent stack for business persuasion. And now books are one of the things that I write. They're not the only thing that I write, but I like to think of it as long form business persuasion. And I've had clients who are in the home services industry who author books, which is not usually a thing that you hear or even think of to generate leads, not just in the short and medium term, but long-term establishing that local thought leadership, being the go-to vendor or provider in your space. Why is that the case? Because you wrote the book on it. And not many competitors of yours, even the big ones who are maybe part of a national franchise, are even thinking at that level. Yeah. Yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot. I mean, and the ones that, that I have seen whether, uh, you know, just to name drop a little bit, Tommy Mello, uh, he's grown his garage door service business and written, I think, at least two books, uh, which are very popular. There's a there's a few others out there, but there aren't a lot of, of books. There's not a lot of literature out there um, on that level for dealing with home service businesses. So I think that's a great way to lead into this. Um, I wanted to first I wanted to, to drop a little definition that I read. Um Ghostwriting has been described as the skill of making words of others sound good and interesting enough to keep people reading. Um, I don't know if that was your quote or if it was somebody else's, but what what's one way that you can take the words of somebody else and craft them to make them sound better for the consumer, for the reader, you know, for whoever is the audience? Uh, dig into that a little bit for us. Yes, my first home services clients, be they in concrete coatings for garages and basements, or be that <laughs> painting, you know, exteriors, or um, I would be writing copy or even sales letters. You know, there, there, there's been so many that it's kind of like, well, what, what haven't uh, I done? I don't think I, I don't think I've worked with a plumber. I think I work everybody HVAC, like heating and air, duct work carpets interior design that might be i'd have to think about it but there might actually be a plumber that i worked with in the past a plumbing a plumbing services company but when i have these conversations with the ceo with the president with the founder with the owner of a home services company the questions that i ask are not hey what do you want to say and then interview them i ask them who is your icp and they say my what your ideal customer profile Anyone who's got a budget for our services, uh -huh. no, that's not your ICP. Your ICP is the person that you want to do business with. So I would say, okay, let's go to your CRM, your customer relationship management software. And you have one, right? My what? No, I, we have uh, Excel files. Oh, dear. So these are just two little things that you as the listeners need to be aware of. What is your ICP? And you need to have a CRM. So go to your yeah. CRM to find your ICP. 
So your CRM, that's your database of all your customers where you track jobs, you track size of projects, you track how much repeat business you've gotten, and you also track who gives you referrals. So your ICP is most likely going to be looking at your clientele. It's not necessarily going to be demographic. Well, it's going to be people of this age and this race and this community. Maybe, maybe not. But look at who are the type of people that you do the largest jobs for consistently and or, and or, are likely to refer you, have referred you to other people. Sometimes there's going to be overlap there, sometimes not. Like, well, we seem to get a lot of referrals from this person. Well, do you seem to or do you know? So this is where having data-informed marketing and sales is essential to figure out who your customer profile is. And I did this about 10 years ago where I was ghostwriting memoirs. I was working with people who were wellness coaches and consultants and physicians writing their life story and people who were philosophy and theology professors who wanted to share their new worldview with the world or people who were in internet marketing, like I said, or people who were a salesperson and wanted to shorten their own sales cycle in the Boston know they're writing a book and all types of different uh, authors. But my ICP, my own ICP, my ideal customer profile is an entrepreneur with an online presence through which they can sell services. Now, notice that as both broad yet specific, that immediately eliminate, eliminates retail, for example. It eliminates product-based businesses. It eliminates so many different ones, but yet also includes quite a few different ones. So knowing that by looking at my CRM, that's helpful to you. What is your ICP? And so in conversation with ghostwriting clients in the home services business, those are my, my that's my first question. Who is your ICP? And then I ask them, well, what do they want? Why do they hire you? Well, they hired us for this job. Well, why do they want that job done? What was it for? Okay, so you redid their bathroom. Why did why did you redo their bathroom? Well, because they wanted it done and we had the best price. No, wrong. And eh. what was wrong with the previous bathroom? How do they know it was a problem? What was the urgency? And this is where we really want to dial up the business persuasion. What is the urgency? Why did that bathroom have to get remodeled? Not, well, it was nice and I promised the missus. No, why did it have to? So often we can begin to see the patterns of persuasion emerge from past jobs. Why did your ICP say yes to you in the past? And what did they say yes to you for? So then when I'm writing either their sales copy or writing their long form book, we write with their ideal customer in mind and we talk about reasons why they want that job done in the first place, why yeah. it's urgent. And of course, talking about how to do it correctly. So what you're doing is you're demonstrating proficiency. You're proving you know what you're talking about. When hiring a home services business, there is an immense amount of risk. And I can say that because I'm not just a seller to this space but I am a buyer from this space. I was showing with you before we began recording that we bought a real fixer-upper several several years ago um, in, in the area that, that you're from. And uh, we had both fantastic and also horrific experiences with various vendors. I also have a, a real estate portfolio. And every few months, we're bringing in either a new or a, a recurring old trusted vendor for fixing for repairs, for replacements, for remodeling, for all the things that you need to do as a responsible residential real estate investor. And so I have quite a bit of experience on the customer side of things. And it's the expectation, meeting those expectations, showing your work, showing that you will be able to get the job done, 
straightforward things like contract terms. You would be, I mean, you would not be shocked at how many home services companies do not have any paperwork before they show up and do a job. Contract. Yeah, no, I, I've I've been there and seen that. So yeah, contracts, agreements, clauses, like basic stuff. What happens if it doesn't work out? What protecting both both sides of things. Also, a real portfolio that's searchable. Some of the people listening to this, you need a coffee table book for your business. A coffee table book. Yes, pictures of the remodeling you've done, of the roofs that you've done, of the painting jobs that you've done, with the befores versus afters. And it's kind of like a, a design or, or, or ideas, for example. Landscaping businesses, you got to have a coffee table book. These are fantastic tools. And of course, you can have them available at the dentist offices, at the doctor's offices, at local clinics, donate five copies or so of these coffee table books that are presented by, authored by, sponsored by, introduced by your business. And it's beautiful photography. Are there any competitors of yours in your niche who are doing anything like this? Probably not. The example Arthur you gave, like, well, there's a couple of people you thought of off the top of your head. And, and, and frankly, there's not many more than that who are doing anything like this. And yet, I have worked with maybe 30 different vendors for my real estate um, company in the last five years. Maybe 30, maybe even more than that. Good, the bad, the ugly, the uglier and the ugliest has <laughs> been my experience. And mm -hmm. I can't say a single one of them. Well, that's not true. Maybe one of them, maybe the H, one of my HVAC vendors, the, the, the guy wrote a book, but I think it was like an autobiography or memoir. So this is your entry-level business persuasion, marketing communications, PR, that's not being done. When most yeah. home services providers try to generate leads, it's, well, we need cash flow, we need cash flow, we need cash flow, we got to cover the last job that's to have, we haven't gotten paid for, we haven't done the billing yet. And that mm -hmm. is a whole other thing. One of the my annoyances as a customer of this space is how difficult home services businesses make it to pay them. So often they're 30, 60, 90 days behind on accounts receivable because we're oh, we're waiting. Oh, you know, so they said the check's in the mail. No, the check's not in the mail. Like having software, having billing, having card on file that you can charge, having agreements, terms, conditions. I mean, we're talking entry-level basic stuff, fewer than 5% of the vendors that I've worked with. Okay, maybe doing be 10%. That would, that would be fair, 10%. Okay, so like maybe maybe two or three of the 30 have this basic business processes for billing. Everyone else says they'll send you an invoice. You know, net 120 or net 90. Do you really need to have it be net 90 or should you have gotten paid 50% upfront or 20% upfront or even 10% upfront? With, yeah. we're going to bill your card on these dates and then auto bill, for example. Why 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 don't you do that? So there's there's a lot that home services companies that you can do that doesn't necessarily require an advertising campaign or spending five thousand dollars a month on Google Ads to try to get yourself with the SEO rankings and blogging and then sort of stuff organic organic search. There's much you can capitalize on rewarding people who have um, referred you business in the past. Rather than going out, passing up business cards or brochures or going door to door in the area that you're working in, coffee table book so that you can be the person who's the first one that's thought of when someone wants their bathroom remodeled or their ductwork replaced or we need to get a new 
we need a train, T-R-A-N-E, for example. Well, who, who, who do we go to for that? You need to be the one that's top of mind, the first who's called. And then ought not drop the ball. Have mm-hmm. competent, capable people who can answer the phones, pleasant, professional, and then paperwork. Paperwork. All of this adds up to creating a persuasive experience. And, there's, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's coincidence that polite, professional, pleasant paperwork that these all, all, all start with letter P like persuasion because it, 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 it truly is. So there's being top of mind through this PR work, another P, but also not fumbling the ball once you get there and there's no contract, there's no agreement, there's no terms or the process is, to hire you is unwieldy and you say, well, we'll, we'll send someone out tomorrow and then no one shows and they say, sorry, uh, we're two or three weeks behind on a job. We can't come out and give you a quote yet. Uh, we got to work on that agreement. You don't have an agreement written up. Uh, no, you'd be the first. This is bad news, people. This is bad news. So there's a lot that can be done to go from bad to good. And that alone can be a medium term life change, life transformation for you as the owner and for your employees when everything is written down, when communication is all logged. So there's no breakdowns in communication, which is usually one of the sources of conflict between an owner and their employees or contractors is stuff's just not written down and expectations are misaligned and the employees are showing up on the jump head to do something but that's not what the homeowner to, or, or the or the business owner told the owner or the manager of the job that they wanted and so the employees are showing up with equipment they've already bought and, and it's just a mess and so now we have to have a three-way conversation oh and by the workers don't speak english this is a true story by the way i've had three times no, no, wow, no, no. That, yes. It's and frustrating every time. <laughs> you yes, are in Ohio. Yeah, it's... Well, and so, and you touched on so many points there. And I think the overall arching, overarching message is that it's it's all about making yourself non-commoditized. You, you don't want to yes. be just, you know, I, I need to find somebody. I need to find a plumber. I need somebody to redo my kitchen, redo my bath. I'm just going to go, you know, pick out of a hat. Um, now you're becoming... That company that, like you said, the top top of mind, T-O-P, uh, T-O-P-A, right? Top of mind, author- or TOMA, I think is the acronym, top of mind authority. But you, you've you laid out so many different ways apart from writing uh, or apart from having literature published. But now the idea of having, you know, what, and by the way, I want to go back to what you keep mentioning, the coffee table books. What are some good options that companies can have to publish um, these coffee table books or these, you know, books that are maybe not going to break the bank, but they can mass produce something like that with photos, with with some good information that they can distribute? What's a what's a good way or good direction to point them into? Yes. So a lot of people think you have to if you want a good quality job done in publishing you need to get a traditional book publishing deal. Like, okay, oh, Simon & Schuster or maybe Random House, Penguin, are they looking for, uh, you know, coffee table books for the, the Dayton area in Ohio or maybe Dayton, Tennessee or Dayton, Georgia? Not necessarily. However, the people who work for those publishers, the vast majority of those professionals whose work is industry standard are contractors that you can hire directly for a much, much lower cost than it would cost, let's say, to hire the entire team. Or it might take years to build up a massive audience, let's say, online with email lists, with social media following, and so on. Being, a, frankly, a, a regional celebrity to give you give yourself a shot at having uh, a book deal. 
You can skip all that and you can work directly with the, the, the professionals who work for publishers because the presentation is everything. Presentation is everything, especially for people who are concerned about curb appeal for their home. And people who are concerned about curb appeal tend to have larger budgets for obvious reasons. And they tend to not want the cheapest everything. Those people tend to be not ideal customers, those who want the cheapest everything. But those who are concerned about luxury, convenience, curb appeal, they want the best of the best. So they can afford, sure. It's going to be those people that when they see your coffee table book, if it looks like it was thrown together in Microsoft Word by an intern, that's not a good look. Yeah, so the formatting, <laughs> the layout, the writing, all of it needs to be professional. And there are industry professionals. Me, my team, we're one of, 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 of many, frankly, who are available to help put together these coffee table authority building lead generating books. And then usually contacting a local printer is going to be one of the best ways to print them for three or four dollars each. Now, maybe they retail for $34.99 on Amazon, for example. Yes, it makes sense to have them available on Amazon and uh, do what you can to sell the book. Oh, so guess what? You've turned past jobs now into an income stream with this coffee table book of the befores versus afters as like design inspiration. It's fantastic. And yet so few do it. You will find in Southern California and also Central California, companies that are doing this, that are putting together coffee table books. I know because one of my very first jobs, like quote unquote real jobs, was for a library system. And one of the things we regularly do was purchasing, stocking, and resupplying books. And you would get to see how there were now the obvious architect who would have, you know, their coffee table book, but also landscaping companies, franchisors who would put together a book that they would then have the franchisees originally distribute through their sales teams. And they would get them where? In dentist offices, in cosmetic dentist offices, in cosmetic surgeons offices. Why? Because that's where their ICP is. They're spending out the wazoo to change the appearance of their wazoo. So why would they not spend out the same wazoo for the exact service that you provide to homeowners like them. You've got to have your coffee table in front of them in the plastic surgeon's office. It's easy. And most of them say, oh yeah, sure. You know, we haven't got any new magazines in a while and it looks beautiful. Yeah, sure. So it's a way to sell without being salesy. Do you want to sell without being salesy? Heck yeah, you do. This is a way to generate leads that's not Googleable. There will be people who are picking up on this and will do this. So maybe three or four years, this is now one of the top search results on Google that uh, to generate leads for your home services business, you need to write a book, but it's not yet right now. So get mm -hmm. in while the getting's good and you can be an innovator, an early adopter and have the first first mover advantage, but first author advantage. We'll put it that way. Wow. And a lot of what you also just touched on is how it's, I mean, it's not easy, but it is easy to really just rise above, you know, most of the, the crop, yes. rise the cream of the crop. Because there's, you know, just do more, just put in a little bit more effort. Most people are, are like, I don't want to have to pull with, you know, putting out a coffee table book or full with having to go the extra mile for the customer. And that's why, you know, you think on the outside, you're like, there's so many painters in this area. There's so many plumbers. There's so many competitors. But 
they're all run of the mill if you're doing something that much more above the level and it's just a little you know just make an extra effort every day you know do a little bit more towards putting this book together putting you know some other kind of strategy together and i'm not going to drop any names but somebody recently told me they were working with i think you said concrete coatings which is ironic earlier but they were working with a company and the company was asking prospects or you know prospective homeowners to send them photos up front to basically you're asking the homeowner to text you and do all this extra work when you sh he should be sending examples you know here let me show you some before i think i know who you're talking about i think i'm not i'm not saying it's one particular company there might be more than one and it probably is but you want to make it easy on the homeowner at first and you want to go overboard and you're going to not only be top of mind but you're going to be you know you're going to be the only one that's really making a, a, a an effort an extra effort so yeah, I mean, it, it, this is all wonderful how you're laying out all these things, obviously, on top of being uh, the strategy with uh, putting out a book. I want to know, because it's kind of the elephant in the room with the chat GBT, with the AI, all that stuff. Um, people are trying to utilize that. And of course, there's nowhere near the capability of matching a skilled human writer. But are you thinking there's what what do you foresee in the future of that? Is AI going to get to a point to where it is going to be as creative as the most creative writers that we have right now? Do you think it's going to reach that point? Use of AI writing tools has two concerns. The first of which is that the precedent for copyright law in the United States and in other Western nations is that any output from AI, be it text, images, code, or otherwise, is not copyrightable. It's effectively public domain. Anyone can use it. So let's say you write a book with AI. Your competitor can copy and paste it. Oh, and you used a AI book cover to design a book cover. They can copy and paste that too, completely duplicate it, and then change it from your company to their company. And it's legal to do that. You have no recourse whatsoever. Less than ideal. Less than ideal. The second issue is that if you're also using ChatGPT, let's say, or Claude or one of the other tools to write your book or write your copy for your website or your marketing communications, and your competitors are also using it, guess what? It's going to sound identical. It's going to read identical. It's going to say very similar things so that we have this strange effect where there's a bit of a confusopoly for customers because they go to your website, they go to a competitor's website. Well, it sounds the same. It sounds identical. And there's lots of exclamation points too. To see the chat GPT output uses exclamation points for like business and corporate copywriting. And so people will go, oh, they're not even capable enough to use a real human to write their stuff. Well, what else are they going to do? Are they going to send subcontractors? Are they going to farm it out? They farm it out to AI and it doesn't look, it doesn't read well. So this is about the experience. Persuasion is beginning through end of the experience. Effective business persuasion results in retention, repeat business, and referrals. Anti-persuasion results in them not choosing you and you were never even aware that you lost their potential business in 30 seconds. They're ready to pick up the phone, but then they checked you out online and saw you use ChatGPT and you didn't edit it properly. And so the output referred to a, a fake company like Acme Plumbing or something because that was in the output and your person didn't take the time and the care. Well, because, well, I'm a plumber. It's not my responsibility to be a copywriter. I'm not a web designer. So they didn't fix it. 
which gets into an even more, uh, let's say, strategic error that owners make in the home services industry, which is, well, I'm a plumber. Well, I'm a painter. Well, I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm not an author. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a... That is all cope. And the reason it's all cope is because we're having a generation of blue-collar and gray-collar business owners, entrepreneurs, who are facing retirement, thinking about legacy. And they don't own a business. They own a job. The only things of value you own are a customer list that's in a spreadsheet and maybe some equipment. Maybe the building you own, if you're fortunate. That's not a business. It's a customer list. So owners are thinking, well, maybe I can get 1.2x to maybe even a 5 or or maybe a 7x exit. Because you've heard everyone hears these kind of these stories about that one guy who exited 10 years ago with a 8x multiple, 12x multiple, something ridiculous, right? And I can too. Well, even if I'm only get half of that, if I only get 6x multiple oh, of, of EBITDA, oh, that'd be amazing, right? Well, you don't own a business, you own a job. So now is the time to have urgency to take the steps to build intellectual assets, marketing assets, like a book, like the coffee table book, like a proper CRM like proper uh, contracts and agreements and business processes and employee training and a business operations manual, documenting everything so that you have an actual plug and play business that you can sell for that real multiple rather than you've worked your whole life in this plumbing business and it's you know Anderson and Sons Plumbing going back to founded and founded, founded right after you got out of college in 1981 and now you can't sell it because it's you, your kid, and some friends of theirs from their college experience. And that's a little bit of a nepotistic cartel. You can't really sell that. Maybe you can sell the customer list for a few grand, but you're not getting any millions of dollars. There's no nest egg. There's no legacy. You are hosed. That's why now is a time to take those necessary steps to turning it from a job you own into an asset. One of our local entrepreneur heroes in the Dayton, Ohio, and Southwest Ohio area is a, a man named John H. Patterson, former founder of, of NCR, National Cash Register Company. Like before there was, you know, before there was uh, payment processors, that there was there was the electric cash register, right? And what he said, his perspective on entrepreneurship was that business is best, which needs the owner the least. And if we filter that through this conversation, that business which is best to own for you is the one which needs you the least. And so what's it going to take to get there? If you're running around trying to generate leads, generate leads, generate leads, got to get more leads, got to get more leads, got to get more leads, running around to all the local neighborhoods where you're doing jobs, that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. Have a medium to long-term perspective. And there are things you can do now which are going to make it more likely you have a sellable asset at one point. So I will uh, I will step off my soapbox there for a minute and hand it back over to you, Arthur. No, I, and I, I'm going to lean in closer because I hope you are listening out there. This is, I mean, it's a wonderful, and I could not have said it better myself, where people don't just don't understand or they're not thinking ahead or they just assume that, okay, well, when it's time, it's time. I'm going to find somebody that's going to broker my business. I'm going to find a buyer and I'm going to get what I kind of want. And But that's just not reality. But nobody thinks about that, especially if they started, like you said, you start in the 80s mm-hmm. and it's a family business and it's the business is named after you and you are the face of the business. I mean, it's been great and you built it up and it's your baby, but you're it's going to be 
it's going to go away. It's going to, you know, either dissolve or somebody may buy it for a lot less than you're wanting. And cause they don't want to do it your way or they, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you were on that soapbox. And <laughs> I think that's an important, yeah. very important yeah. thing for people to understand. Um, and so I know that we've been, you've talked a long time about a lot of good things and I, I hate to, to start winding things down, but I do want to get onto your book because I want people to know about, you are an author, you've written a couple of books. And uh, I think your most popular one is titled So Good They Call You a Fake. So can you can you touch on that a little bit about uh, a little bit about that and where people can find that book? Yes. When people find out that I, as a ghostwriter, have ghostwritten almost 90 books and I am 32 years old, they say, B.S. There's no way you're lying. That's a fraud. <laughs> That's a scam. But what I have is a system to produce between six and 10 full length nonfiction books every single year that are of the quality output that my clientele expect. How is that possible? A system, processes, procedures checklists, no steps skipped. And that perspective, my clients value because that's how they design their businesses. And so the point of this is that when envious competitors look at your results, they say, oh, that's uh, that's obviously a lie. That's fake. That couldn't be real. You couldn't have possibly have a thousand plus five-star reviews in our geography. Obviously, those are fake reviews. They say, while scheming and dreaming about how you could have possibly done that because it's probably legit and now they feel bad because only have 10 or 11 five-star reviews and five one-star reviews on their Google business profile. The best way to grow your business these days is through the negative energy of envious competitors and random haters online. We see this often with some smart, savvy, home services entrepreneurs. When you get a nasty Facebook comment or random Instagram DM from a loser or a critic or an envious competitor who's paying a fake account, you know, to harass your you your employees or your your social media, screenshot it, share it. Seriously, put ad money into sharing that negative review. We've seen businesses go mega viral on the internet by sharing one-star reviews. I had a local book signing in the city of Beaver Creek. Uh, outside in the outside um, Dayton. And there's a big honking sign I had right next to my book. And it was one of my one-star reviews. What did it make people do? Double take. Stop. Like, what the? And they come over and talk to me. Pick up a copy of my book. Shocked that this is a thing. What did that do? That got attention. Versus five-star review, everyone loves it. The critics are praising it. It's, it's won an award, which it did, by the way. I found my book won an, um, an independent author award recently. A real one I didn't even know I was entered to win, which is always always a fun, fun email to get. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Yes. So the point of So Good They Call You a Fake is how to systematize the way you do things so that you can produce consistent results that make your competitors so envious, they will accuse you of being a fake, a fraud, a cheater, and a liar. That's how you know you've made it. And this is ideal reading for the services business owner, an entrepreneur, manager, salesperson, because as you think about your legacy, you need to document things. So think about authorship, writing a book which shows your market, your region, your customer base, future employees, the way we do things and the way we do things merits a 250 page manuscript that you can put in the plastic surgeon's office. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, it's great how you're kind of, you're kind of just laying out there how people are, they're really just fighting to fit in. You're fighting to do what everybody else is doing just a little bit better. But when you throw in the shock factor, like you're talking about the one-star review, you're highlighting something just totally off the wall and different. The shock factor. Yeah. Initially, you know, you got some haters, you got people, you know, what does this person think they're doing? You know, I'm going to try to call them out. I'm going to try. And all they're doing is they're just trying to, they're just outwardly conveying their, you know, their dissatisfaction with what they're doing and, and that they are not able to come up with something that's such a dissimilar, um, but, but effective uh, message. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's wonderful the way you laid that out, Joshua. Um, Tell everybody how they can find you, what your website is, and, and where, where you are located on the platforms. Sure thing. LysekGhostwriting.com, L-I-S-E-C. That's ghostwriting, not ghostwriting like the Marvel character, although every time speech to text autocorrects it to ghostwriter, and it shows me a gif of a flaming skull. That's not that's not me. Uh the at Joshua Lysick handle you'll find on all the platforms, be it YouTube or Twitter X, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, wherever, wherever you're hanging out, you'll you'll find me there. But my my main uh, kind of haven uh, is at LysickGhostwriting.com. And if you pick one platform to follow me on, I would say either YouTube for my business persuasion tips or Twitter X where I have some longer form posts on business persuasion, authorship, publishing, advanced, ungoogleable marketing techniques and uh, tactics and techniques and so on. Awesome. Okay. And that's Lysic, L-I-S-E-C, ghostwriting.com. Uh, and I wanted to touch a little bit before we close up. I want to ask a little bit about the real estate side because you are a real estate investor. Um, what is your anticipation on what the market's going to do, especially in the Midwest over the next couple of years? I don't have a lot of, let's say, crystal ball vision into a medium or long-term future. But what I did notice is in 20, obviously what a lot of people notice in 2020, 2021, you saw prices go ridiculously high, pricing out savvy investors. So right now, savvy investors have bought and are holding. So what we're seeing, everydayrealtor.com, I get 13 price decreases in your area, email 8 a.m. Noon, 17 new price decreases in your area, around 3 o'clock. 12 open houses this weekend, the next day, 8 a.m. 17 new price decreases in your... This is every day. Why? Because people tend to react to any new situation the way that they should have reacted to the last one that they missed. So right now, people who realize that they should have sold in 2020, 2021 at the top are now trying to sell their property for as much, much as one and a half times its actual potential sale value. I don't necessarily see this changing any time in the, in the near future. Obviously, things could change. An unforeseen event could crash the prices. But in, in the short term, I expect much of the same. The savvy investors are are waiting. They're not buying. There might be some good deals to be had, but those who didn't sell in 2021 terribly regret it. And so now are pricing their homes or their businesses, their commercial real estate, like it's 2021 and it's not working out. And so you're seeing homes that, let's say, I wouldn't have paid more than $100,000 for given the area. There's their 228,000 asking price. And now it's, you know, after after 90 days on the market, they're now down to 198 
right? And it's going to keep dropping. It's going to keep dropping. So the people who are going to pay are not going to buy right now. That's the that's the situation. That's the short term. Probably not yeah. going to change in a while. Let's talk again in a year, 18 months. Maybe things will, but that's about the size of it for now. Yeah, and I've seen the same thing. I mean, no matter what part of the country you're in, maybe there's a few areas that it's just crazy and it keeps rising, but uh, there's a lot of, of properties and houses just sitting there that have been listed a long time ago or, you know, six months ago or more. And uh, so that's, that's an excellent um, forecast that we'll take from you there, Joshua. And I want to, once again, I just want to thank you for being on the show. I think this will probably be part one. I think we'll have a part two interview with Joshua, hopefully uh, in the near future. Um, and he is the author of so good. They call you a fake. He's written, as he said, 90 books plus, um, he is also a persuasive writing ep expert. He is the president of Lysic Ghostwriting, and it's just been a pleasure, man. You can find Joshua at LysicGhostwriting.com. That's L-I-C-E. I mean, I'm sorry, L-I-S-E-C. And, uh, and Josh, thanks, man. This has been a great, great time and a great discussion. It's been my pleasure. A lot of fun. Thank you, Arthur. Yeah, thank you, Josh. And uh, we're going to see everybody next time. This has been another episode of the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. Y'all have an amazing week. Arthur Yan here. Thank you so much for listening to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. If you are a successful restorer, contractor, or home service provider who would like to be on this program, please visit jointhenestteam.com slash go. If you got something out of this interview, would you also share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag HSSB Spotlight. I love seeing your posts, love seeing your guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and your reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, jointhenestteam.com slash go, or follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.